What's up producers, it's Sam Matler and this is the EDM Podcast, a one-half talk show with my friend Levi Whalen, uh, where we talk about anything from uh, using presets, the good and the bad, to starting tracks and coming up with ideas or arrangement and anything else that seems interesting. And also the EDM Podcast is a one-half interview series with artists, producers, industry people, uh, label owners, anyone who works in the field of music and has interesting ideas. And today I'm talking to Charlie McCarran. Uh, Charlie is a accomplished composer. He's got a degree in music composition. Uh, he's done sound design for two feature-length films and he's composed and produced two albums. He also does video editing work uh, for companies like 3M and we talk about a lot of things in this show he's got uh, we cover air training or the importance of air training why it's a good idea to learn music theory and how music theory helps uh, how Charlie composes in his head and also freelancing Charlie has a lot of great advice uh for people who want to get into freelancing he makes a living from freelancing basically um, and if you're interested in that and you want to kind of make some money from what you do even if it's something as simple as uh, audio editing then you'll want to listen to this episode uh, Charlie also runs his own podcast called Composer Quest that is at composerquest.com I highly recommend checking that out it's a great podcast and uh, I'm going to be jumping on his podcast near the end of the month. So look out for that as well. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to welcome Charlie McCarran. I hope you enjoy the episode. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Charlie, how's it going? Hey, great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for being here. Uh, now, you wear quite a few different hats. You're a composer video editor, producer, and a podcast host. Uh, you do a lot. Why not give us a little bit of background? How did you get to where you are today? Uh, yeah, well, like a lot of people, I was in a band in high school uh, and got interested in making music that way. Uh, I had also been in orchestra in school, played the violin. And uh, where I really started getting into production um was with my band uh you know we would try to put out eps and albums 
uh, and work with local producers and me being the control freak that I am, just couldn't really handle working with uh, another producer at that time because um, I just wanted to have my hands in everything and um, it's just really fun for me to like produce those songs. So I then went off to college and I didn't know I was going to study music. I was thinking about being a writer or an artist, um, but I just really loved the first year classes of music theory and oral skills, ear training. Uh, and it's not something that I thought I would enjoy as much as I did, but uh, I did. And so all throughout college, I was kind of learning the classical basics, but at the same time experimenting with electronic music. And uh, my senior project was a huge multi-album project um, that I called a poly album. And the basic idea was to have one CD that you listen to first and the second CD that you listen to next. And then the third CD is those two CDs superimposed on top of each other. So the audio literally just interlaid. And uh, it was a big story album, concept album. And so that was like my huge learning experience with producing and composing. And <clears throat> so from then on out, I graduated, did a, a bunch of um, other random little composing projects along the way. Uh, but I eventually fell into um, doing freelance video work as my primary source of income because I had to make some money. So, and I wasn't going to with music at that point. <laughs> um, and yeah, so freelance video work kind of became my my money-making thing um, up until, yeah, the last few years. But that's that's basically my, my start. So, nowadays, uh, what are you doing? So, uh, well, what I, I realized um, that all of my time is freelance. I pretty much am on my own schedule. Every day is different, um, which is a really fun thing. And now that I've been doing it this way for like five years, I can't really picture myself in a nine to five job anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, so what I'm doing now uh, is a little bit of video production which again is my main staple. Um, but I'm also composing for films, um, composing for instrumentalists, doing some electronic music, doing... And my my main hobby for the past two and a half years has been my podcast, Composer Quest. And yeah, that's that's kind of my day-to-day routines is jumps around between those few things right right gotcha and we'll talk about some of those things 
in a moment. Uh, but I just want to ask, when you were studying music at college, what did that what did that include? What did it entail? Because I know that a lot of people listening are probably considering uh, doing some sort of tertiary education in the field of music, but they're not sure what they're going to get out of it or if it's worth it. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I So, I went to a liberal arts school, so I was learning not just music-focused things, which I think mm-hmm. is really good to have a base of different areas. So, I, I studied a lot of computer science and uh, psychology and uh, a lot of other things. But the music program... Uh, I think one of the most helpful things is ear training Um, because, you know, a lot of people get turned off by music theory because it just seems very boring when you're thinking Mm -hmm. about it. But in practice, when you combine it with ear training, it's a really powerful tool um, to be able to listen to something and say, oh, yeah, that's the chord progression they're using or these are the intervals in that melody. Um, and in ear training classes, you you practice that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, it is something that you can do on your own in a way too, or with resources that are out there like Hook Theory uh, is a site. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure you've come across it at some point. but It's a great site, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, to those people thinking about going to school, uh, I think, yeah, there, there's just a lot that you don't know that you'll learn, (laughs) I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's just a good time to hone your skills. Um, but, but yeah, your training, I think is just the most, most important thing I learned and it one uh, one other thing it allows you to do is like let's say you're you have a melody idea in your head um and nowadays yeah you can you can just record that idea uh but at the same time it's like i think much easier in a way to know what notes those melodies are that you're hearing in your head and with music theory and ear training you you're able to know that and write those things down yeah for sure uh you you touched on music theory and this is kind of a big topic but i i meet a lot of electronic music producers in particular who think that music theory just isn't important or it's a waste of time or it's too boring to learn uh, what would you say to convince them uh yeah well it's an interesting question because i think when you know music theory you start thinking of music differently like i feel like before i learned chords chord progressions melodies um, I thought of music in a much different way. And now, 
now that I know that, it's almost like it's moved to the language part of my brain in some ways, um, which I think there's pluses and minuses to either way. Um, like going off of instinct only is is good in a way because you're not constantly thinking about like, oh, what what chord am I using here? Um, but I think the having a language for what you're doing with chords will will in a way like keep you from imitating others or if you are imitating other people um, you're doing it in a way that you know how to do it a little more creatively maybe versus if you don't know music theory you might just be instinctively instinctually ripping off someone else um, and not really knowing it <laughs> I don't know Mm-hmm. I'm not I don't know if I'm making a good enough case here for music theory but <laughs> no that no that does make sense I wonder too if it's uh, I mean do you think it it improves creativity in the sense that knowing music theory for example uh, knowing how to put together a seventh, a seventh chord or like a jazz uh, bridge chord progression knowing how to do that means that you can actually you know do it in a composition compared to if you don't know any music theory you're kind of playing around in the dark you're not sure where to go and the thought of including a like a jazz influenced bridge in your song will never cross your mind because you you have no idea how to do it i mean do you think music theory kind of lends its hand uh to more creative ideas yeah i think it definitely does and yeah, you're exactly right that if you don't, if you haven't heard a major seventh chord, which, I mean, you've obviously heard it, but if you don't know how to play it on piano or something, um, you'll end up just repeating the same style, even though, yeah, you, you might be creative by just messing around constantly, but if you really want to get good at the craft of making chord progressions, um, knowing what kind of cool chord transitions people have done in the past is just going to, there's no way that's not going to help you be more creative in my, in my opinion. For sure. Do you have any books or resources uh, that you would recommend to those listening to learn music theory? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I can't even remember the books we used in college, <laughs> to be honest. Um, there's a lot of good stuff out there. And again, Hook Theory is a great site. I think hooktheory.net. Um, then just having that interactiveness to it is probably going to be more helpful than just reading a book on theory. Um, but I don't know. Have you run across anything? Uh, there are some books by, oh, what's his name? I think it's Michael Hewitt. Uh, he has Harmony for Computer Musician, for the Computer Musician and so on. So it's written for people who work in a digital audio workstation. Uh, but 
I think the the purest composers might look down upon it because it's a little bit too basic. Uh, but I, I like that. Hook Theory is really good, though. Sure. I'll put that in the show notes. Sure, yeah. Um, what habits or tricks have you implemented to, to help you stay creative day in and day out, if any? Well, uh, you know, a lot of people and promote the idea of doing music every single day. Mm. which you do too which i think is cool with your loop challenge yeah yeah making a loop every day um and i wish i could say i was that person (laughs) who does it every single day um but for me i tend to need breaks where i'm not doing something creative okay in in music so a lot of times i'll take a day off hang out with friends or work on more business side things. And then other days I know I have the whole day I have cleared out my inbox or something and don't have to think about that. And then I can one I feel like I need longer chunks of time to be creative in. And um, some, some things that, like if I'm having a writer's block day uh, where I feel like I'm not getting any ideas out, um, I'll just have to sit at an instrument for a while, piano or guitar, mostly piano these days, um, and just keep messing around until I get something. And once if I feel like once I get into that mode... Even if my first idea I'm coming up with is pretty crappy, um, usually I'll have a few more ideas, uh, and the third or fourth one might be something that I want to save. Um, and other ways that I keep myself creative is having prompts. So, yeah, like a kind of like with your loop challenge, you do um, just. Hmm try and do challenges or through my podcast I do something called quests uh, which is basically an excuse for someone to write music for a specific theme um, Uh, or a specific performance so having those deadlines is and like having outside someone outside me counting on me for that deadline either a mm. musician that i'm writing music for or you know some competition something like that that's that's the best way i think to keep motivated a, a sense of accountability yeah 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 i definitely agree with that uh i think people should self-impose if they struggle with uh writer's book they should self-impose deadlines as well as find someone to stay accountable to. I think that helps a lot. Uh, So when you, how how long would your average, say composition or production session be? Considering that they're typically long. Yeah. um, mm, I tend to work like 
it it depends um i think some nights i'll work five hours on a project before i get up to uh eat something or (laughs) Mm -hmm. sometimes i forget to eat (laughs) working on a project uh if i'm really passionate about it Mm -hmm. and a lot of a lot of times i end up around midnight i'll maybe if i've been doing something else and i sit down at my computer at midnight and i have to make the choice well am i gonna go to bed or am i gonna work on this production for the next four hours (laughs) because i usually once i start i just keep keep at it because so you work you work better at night i do yeah i i think so um i think production wise i work better at night okay composition wise probably better during the day um interesting so as far as like classical style composing yeah like sitting at a piano um writing notes it seems to be a a common theme (laughs) that producers and musicians work best at night i envy that because i can't (laughs) i i pretty much always fall asleep i have to produce in the morning if i want to have a productive session uh now so so do you normally start on an instrument when you're composing uh yeah i think either an instrument or in my head okay could you explain that yeah uh i think well lately um i've been i've been trying to come up with thing melodies and chord progressions in my head more often because I feel like it's a little more pure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but when I'm at the piano, you know, I'm limited by what my fingers can play and what they feel natural playing, which can be okay too. Um, but if I can think of a melody, and if I'm really lucky, I, I think of a chord progression along with it in my head. Um, and then that, that can translate sometimes better, um, and more naturally versus like sitting at a piano playing the same thing over and over again. I often get caught in this trap of like, oh, it sounds really good. But by the time I'm, I'm developing it, I'm already sick of the idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So some, I think a good workflow for my electronic productions is try to think of it in my head and then quickly set up different instruments that I think would work in Ableton Mm. and just try to quickly put in the melody ideas and chords and then I'm more able to mess around with it. So you consciously think, think of ideas that that's crazy to me i mean i understand you know if you're you're driving somewhere and a melody pops into your head but i mean do you sit down and and just think up a melody uh i can sometimes it's it depends i actually the project i've mostly been doing that with is my commercial music Mm. because those 
are very simple melodies (laughs) (laughs) Um, because like for a commercial you don't want you want something memorable and hooky to begin with and it doesn't have to be crazy complex chords so often yeah the melodies that come to me in my head are usually a little more cheesy um, versus like a cooler EDM production type thing (laughs) Right, right, I see. Yeah, it's harder to... I remember interviewing someone, though, who said he thought of the sound of the production first. And that, to me, is tough. I See, I, I can do that. I can think of, like, the general sound. But when it comes to <laughs> composing a chord progression and melody in, in my head, that seems absurd. <laughs> <laughs> well, that... That is okay. That comes to the heart of why music theory is nice. Yeah, um, because yeah. Because I remember in my first class of music at in college, um, our teacher was like, "Well, this is what music is to me," and then he just proceeded to like hum a little bit in his, and he was just like staring off and like pretending like he was thinking of music. And he said, that is what music is. It it can be in your head. You can think of a melody in your head. And if you're good, you can think of a counter melody at the same time and chord progressions. Um, and I think the main payoff for me is, it's kind of weird, but um, I'm able to dream songs. And because I know how to label chords and stuff when i wake up i'm more easily able to remember what i dreamt that's so cool i don't know if you you have dream songs or anything that's that's happened once or twice for me yeah i've woken up with a a melody in my head never turned into anything unfortunately but yeah i'd love to have that happen like every couple of nights yeah (laughs) I mean, I suppose it's it's a result of, of air training and music theory, the ability to compose in your head. Yeah. I but I think like anyone anyone can think of original melodies in their head. Um mm-hmm. but it just helps if you can then realize like what that melody actually is without having to sit at the piano and try and figure it out because it might be lost by that time. Are you an advocate? Let's say there's a a producer listening to this who doesn't play any instruments and he's kind of just getting into music production. Would you recommend that that person picks up an instrument as well? Yeah, I I think so. Uh, And this is coming from a guy who actually hates to practice (laughs) <laughs> I really <laughs> that that's one thing um that I w- I wish I was more into like practicing piano, practicing guitar. Mm. Because I really think like when you're writing music, you are somewhat limited by what you can play. But then again, for electronic productions, I you're kind of, I mean, a lot of people use MIDI keyboards, but you can do it in so many different ways. Um, 
but it just for me helps to be able to use a MIDI keyboard just for if nothing else for more expression in the music rather than just entering notes that are like quantized Mm -hmm. to the beat just clicking those in if you can actually play that on a keyboard with you know dynamic sensitivity and like a little more human rhythms versus like totally quantized stuff um i'm realizing more and more that's that makes the track come to life Mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely i think there's also an element or benefit to kind of getting out of the box especially with like edm producers you're spending pretty much your whole the whole time looking at a screen and it can be quite uh it can get boring at times i think there's an element of fun to to playing instruments that you can't really get from just plotting in notes uh with the mouse yeah now this is more of a self-interested question uh but considering the fact that you're involved in many different fields and I don't know how many hours you work a day, but I imagine it's quite a lot. How do you manage your time? Yeah. Uh, well, I do work quite a lot on projects, a lot of different projects, but I have gotten better at saying no to projects too, mm-hmm. which seems like not a good thing to do when you're a freelancer. <laughs> Um, because the temptation is to, uh, I'm not sure about this gig or I'm not sure if I'll get enough gigs this month. So I better say yes. Um, which is a good thing to do at first, but at the same time, if you book yourself solid, uh, with paying gigs, you just won't have the, the time or the creative energy to work on your own music so that that was kind of like when I started my podcast two and a half years ago. Um, I I was just looking back at my notes from the night I decided to start doing a podcast, and I think at that time I was getting so overwhelmed with video projects and other work that I just looked at my bank account and I said okay, this is how much I have saved up. How long could I live off this if I didn't make any money and I was just making music? Um, And so I kind of had this plan to quit my regular job, just focus on music, um, and just not worry too much about my savings going down. And... Luckily, like, I live pretty cheaply. I don't um, buy much stuff, and I have cheap rent right now. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I kind of had this... um, Well, the other reason I was feeling like I wanted to just really focus on music again was kind of inspired by Alan Watts, the philosopher. Okay. I don't know if you've... Yeah, I have heard of uh, him. Yeah, he's just, like, he is dead now um but yeah he was in this in the 60s he had like all these great 
videos and um, writings and stuff. But anyways, like his main idea was that why would you work to earn money doing something that you don't really love doing? Mm. Um, and if you do what you what you really love, eventually people will start paying you for it, whatever that is, if mm. you're truly passionate about it. Um, and obviously that's a little idealistic. It doesn't always work like that, but <laughs> that that is what started happening mm. for me. Mm. Once I focused on music and my podcast, um, started getting patrons to help out with the podcast, and I started getting commissioned to do music for different things. Um, And it's a slow process, and you have to be okay with uh, your future up being up in the air, Mm -hmm. and you have to be a like very self motivated person. Um, but yeah, it is doable. It absolutely is doable. I think, uh, it it does sound idealistic, but I think it's something where it's like, why wouldn't you aim for that anyway? Uh, yeah, I, I totally relate to that. Uh, I want to talk about your podcast for a moment. It's called Composer Quest. What is it? What is the idea behind it? And what drove you to start the podcast? Yeah, so, well, I wanted to start the podcast because I realized uh, when I went to my girlfriend's school, she teaches music to little kids, and one of the second graders asked me, like, uh, how do you make good music? And I realized I couldn't really explain it to her, (laughs) and that seemed so pathetic to me that I couldn't actually put it into words. Mm. Um, so I kind of just had this idea to start asking people, what is the actual process, your process for making good music? Mm. And so I just started out interviewing my friends, mostly songwriters. And it was just super fun for me to hear what they had to say and it was a little awkward at first because i i don't really consider myself like a radio personality Mm -hmm. i wouldn't expect myself to ever have a podcast but (laughs) it was just so fun for me to try this out and Mm. editing also is really fun for me so really what (laughs) yeah i don't know i get in the zone when i'm editing podcast episodes and (laughs) not you no 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 (laughs) No. (laughs) yeah i don't know it's it's just really fun like crafting an episode Mm. and inserting the the other thing that i thought was kind of lacking in composer talk shows um which totally depends on the podcast like yours works really well as just a talk show Mm -hmm. um but when it's like composer interviews it's often like just talking about their past or yeah things that don't directly give you advice on writing music so what i wanted to do was include like little samples from their music as they describe exactly what their creative process was Mm. so 
so yeah that was kind of my intent and since then it's just been like really fascinating hearing about all these people and i've done 130 interviews now wow with people which i would not have expected to make it this long but but now i have a way that i'm not burning myself out because i'm releasing three months of interviews then i take a three-month break then three months Mm. on three months off that kind of thing so uh, for people who want to listen to to compose a quest where can they find it on the internet uh, it's at composerquest.com um, on iTunes and Stitcher and everything. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And and like I mentioned, we occasionally do quests uh, for people to get involved um, and do a challenge and actually get their music performed. If they're writing for sheet music for musicians or sometimes we do producing challenges, so... Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, and this was two and a half years ago, correct? Yeah, it was beginning of 2013. That must have been at a time when there weren't many production or composition podcasts out there because I remember looking for them, uh, anything that would help me with, you know, music, and I couldn't find anything. Yeah, there... That was actually one of the main driving forces because behind me doing that because um, there were a few, uh, but they were either not updating um, Creativity and Composition by Richard Russell was one that I really liked, but yeah, that was defunct. He wasn't mm-hmm. doing anymore. Um, and it it seemed like there were more production podcasts but like actual composition podcasts and songwriting podcasts, very few. Mm, mm. So, yeah. Right. Uh, now, I want to switch gears for a second. You have done sound design for, is it two feature length films? Yeah. Yep. What was that like? Uh, it's a pretty involved process. Um and I wasn't actually doing as much sound design as I was dialogue editing. Okay. So, like, smoothing dialogue from scene to scene, um, making sure the mics are EQ'd okay, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, so, it's really, that kind of job is not for someone who hates detailed <laughs> editing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's... And um, I did learn quite a bit doing that. And I've, I also kind of started to, well, I, through those projects, that helped me get some gigs doing film scoring. Mm. Because the, uh, the dialogue editing, well, the, sorry, the, the sound design aspects of things I was doing was almost more like scoring the film in a way. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it, so like if you're interested in film scoring at all, I would say you could, that that's kind of a way to get your foot in the door mm. with a, with a director is by knowing the technical skills for producing 
um, sound design stuff and sound mixing because they definitely need that kind of person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, those gigs I got paid for versus like if you just go up to a director and say, oh, I want to score your film. um, Yeah, it's if you if you build up that connection beforehand by doing other technical sound work for them mm-hmm. yeah it's another way to get in for sure i want to i want to kind of uh, touch on this a bit more i mean you've done a fair bit of freelance work both in audio production uh composition and video editing what advice would you give to someone who wants to make a bit of extra money on the side uh through freelance work using their production skills yeah uh well i would say it's first of all you would need to make some connections in if you're interested in doing um like commercial gigs or think gigs that will pay well you want to go out and meet filmmakers at different film events or whatever in your your community Um, because they're the ones who are going to hire you for commercial projects because they're, especially if they're freelancing too. Um, So it's good to meet them. And um, yeah, I have a lot of advice. It's hard to narrow it down, but <laughs> um, let's see. I think uh, yeah, you know, like my, at first I was kind of thinking like uh, I don't know if I really want to do video freelance work because it's kind of sometimes draining work and I feel kind of like a sellout for doing it. But now I don't really see it as that way. Um, I do a lot of video work for 3M. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, you know, those... I can charge a lot more for a commercial work like that um, because, yeah, they're a big company. So um, by doing those kind of gigs it actually frees up more of my time because I don't have to work as much because they're paying me better than if I was doing like a ton of little gigs Mm, mm. that are maybe more creatively fulfilling, but they don't pay as well. So you just kind of have to strike a balance between like what you really want to do. So you would recommend, I mean, because I see, I I agree with, going out and actually meeting people i think a lot of people who get into freelancing immediately go to sites like odesk or elance or freelancer without any portfolio any prior work or any prior clients and expect to get work and then they get disappointed when no one hires them uh so yeah i I would endorse that and kind of recommend it if you want to get into freelance work you need to go out and meet people uh it is it is super cliche but it is who you know 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've never l- sought out gigs, freelance gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, because it all, it is just making a connection with someone. Uh, you know, you don't know all the time where gigs will come from. But if you put yourself in a position of like providing something useful for someone, they'll, t- and if you do a good job, they'll obviously pass on your name to a ton of other people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it, like, for example, like the, uh, the, my big senior project, which I was talking about, um, large multi-disc thing Mm -hmm. um yeah that that ended up getting me in touch with um a guy who's now a good friend of mine a filmmaker jason schumacher and he has given my name to so many people and it's branched out and gotten me tons of gigs and it's all because i handed him my cd and i was like yeah Oh, yeah, I do sound stuff. You need me to mix your movie for you? <laughs> I could do that. So, yeah, it's it's just um, you kind of want to, like, make, just make something cool um, that shows off your skills. Mm. And even if it's, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that, but... <laughs> no, no, I, I get it. It makes sense. Uh, a, a lot of people, a lot of electronic music producers see the composition and production processes as one. Uh, I'm assuming you make a distinction between the two, but what is that distinction? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I think... I think um, the composing part for me uh, is usually has to come first. Um, Like having a melody or chord progression going into a production ends up saving me a lot of time because, yeah, I've worked in both ways. just like messing around with synths in Ableton. Mm. But it it's it seems like when I work that way, the ideas I come up with are a little less interesting than if I had a a catchy melody or good chord progression going into the production. Um because I usually get distracted with details of how this synth sounds. Yeah how yeah you know it's it's harder to be i i tend to just be a detailed very detailed oriented person Mm -hmm. um so i try not to get too caught up in the production itself before i have the the structure and the melody right for sure i i'm the same i (laughs) uh if i'm not careful i'll get stuck into the the detail without having you know the arrangement done sometimes uh so i I find that even though i wouldn't consider myself a composer as such uh i do find starting with 
a basic like piano instrument virtual instrument and composing on that helps a lot just in terms of uh writing a good song because you know you mentioned if you start with uh start in the production mode if you will with ableton and, and trying out a few synths it's easy to end up with a an idea that's kind of lacking in terms of musicality and um in depth i'm not sure i rambled a bit but uh yeah hopefully you get what i mean yeah and but and the flip side of that too is that maybe you do find a really cool sounding synth and that could totally inspire you to come up with a melody that you never would have come up with on piano or something like that so yeah that's that's very true or sometimes like i'll start with a sample um just a small little bit and then that becomes the bass layer somehow after doing a ton of effects to it now i have a drone or some sort of bass layer and then come up with some sort of melody on top of that so i guess that that's the other way that i work that works pretty well you know i think it comes down to uh playing around i mean that really is the essence of creativity uh just no rules and just chucking stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks you'd agree with that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and one thing that i kind of miss um that i haven't really done in a while though is um like jam sessions with Mm. friends so fun because i i don't know like if you do that yeah i I used to be in a band and i miss those days a lot yeah it's like just having someone else to bounce an idea off of Mm. can just make something way cooler absolutely man uh i've got one more question before we jump into these these quick fire questions if you were to start again at square one like 10 to 15 years ago what would you do differently Uh, I think, well, talking about like starting in my band in high school, um, I think I would try to not be quite as controlling. Mm. Um, cause like, like I said, often the best ideas come from having multiple people feeding off each other creatively. Mm. Um, so, and I think there were times when I would, like want to do tell everyone how to play some something um and i think if i had just laid back a little bit and uh just seeing where our band could have gone um yeah that that's maybe something i would have changed but uh it's hard yeah it's hard to say have you asked that question to other no people <laughs> you're the first one oh, okay <laughs> yeah that you know, I think it's, I don't know if I would change much because it's, uh, it all, you always just have to make mistakes at the beginning mm-hmm. to get where you want to go. And often I shouldn't say mistakes because a lot of times like you start out with ideas that are really weird and cool. Um, 
that if I looked back at now might be not as cool as I thought they were, but <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, that's a good answer. Uh, okay. Jump into these quick fire questions then. What are three books or resources that you believe every producer or musician uh, should read or check out? Sure. Um, yeah, I'm not, I haven't read any great books on production or, um, composition lately, but, uh, the podcast UBK happy fun time hour. Have you heard of that? I haven't. No. Oh yeah. You got to check that out. Um, UBK is a guy who does, he makes plugins and, um, that's like, a really next level production prod podcast like yeah yeah um you know i don't even go into that much depth with producers on my <laughs> show um but it's it's really cool and it's it's fun too like they those two guys yeah have a lot to say and uh in a way that's like very practical advice mm-hmm. for for producers so that one i'd recommend um yeah, again, I'll mention Hook Theory just because I think that's a cool resource for learning mm-hmm. music Definitely. theory and ear training. Mm. The third one uh, I'll recommend doesn't really have to do with music sure. as much, but um, I think just as a as a life book, mm-hmm. um, I've been reading or I, I read this the book A New Earth. Awakening to Your Life's Purpose by Eckhart Tolle. Um, And it sounds really cheesy and new agey, but (laughs) that book, it's like really a great philosophy on life Mm. and like reducing the ego in your life, which I think is an important thing to realize as a musician, creative person. Absolutely, Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that is my third one. Fantastic. Okay, uh, when you're not composing, producing, video editing, uh, or recording podcasts, what are you doing? Uh, this time of year, I'm playing a lot of soccer. I'm nice. I've I'm in a board game group. We play every Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, and I. Actually, most recently, I've started getting into designing board games. Okay, so, that's interesting. Yeah, it's just another fun creative outlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one more question, but I think I think you already answered it about writing better music in the morning or evening. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll leave, we'll leave that one. Sure. Do you have any last words of advice to those listening? Uh, hmm. I don't want to just say something cheesy at the end here because I feel like everyone would say that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You should listen to Composer Quest because uh, there's a lot of good advice. Yeah, 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 (laughs) definitely. I don't know. Oh no, I forgot to turn off my phone. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good, man. <laughs> um, oh, 
actually, let's see that this phone call reminded me uh, of another piece of advice because um, I was just calling my friend about writing a grant. Mm. Um, so I'll give that as a piece of advice. Uh, another option for artists and composers, maybe not as much like EDM produ- production, um, but if you get into like the art music side, there are quite a few grant opportunities mm-hmm. um, for making music that is performed live and that kind of thing. Um, so that's always another option. I've applied for a lot of grants. I've only got I got one of them <laughs> last year to put on a film score fest. Oh, cool. Um, so we. Yeah, through the podcast, we paired up filmmakers and composers. Yeah. And then they made a short film along with a score, mm. and then an orchestra played it live. That is so, that is so awesome. So, <laughs> wow. yeah, that was that was my big summer project, mm, and we've, mm. we've done it twice now. So, yeah. hopefully the grant train keeps rolling in yeah. so we get more yeah, money yeah. for next year. <laughs> <laughs> One other piece of advice I would say is... A lot of times, like, it's hard to get attention from press or just other people in general if you're just putting out music. Mm. So, I I think, like, having other outlets of things you're doing related to music um, is a great thing. Like, you're doing with your blog and podcast, um, having events that get other people involved, um... Yeah, it's, it's just a really good thing to do. You're promoting others, but in in doing that, you're also promoting yourself and showing that you're like a force to be reckoned with or you know, like you know what you're doing too by helping other people succeed. Mm-hmm. So Yep. That's that's my advice. Awesome advice. Uh finally, where can people find you online? So, you can go to composerquest.com. That'll be um, on my podcasts and on Twitter too, at composerquest. Um, that's just easy to remember. But charliemccarran.com is my main website. Um, yeah, so. Fantastic. All right, man. Well, thanks heaps for coming on. It's been, a, been, been an awesome chat. And, uh, yeah, definitely. I hope you have a, a good is it evening over there. Uh, yeah, yep. Getting there. So, hope you have a good yeah, evening. Yeah, thanks. You too. <laughs> Looking forward to having you on my podcast too. It'll be a good chat. For sure, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks.